Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Rucking, that is walking with a weighted backpack, started as something soldiers did to carry the gear and equipment needed for combat. In recent times, rucking has become an increasingly popular form of exercise, and if you wanted to try it, or have already started but would like to improve your practice, my guest today has some advice. His name is Josh Bryant, and he's a strength coach and the author of multiple books on fitness, including his latest, Rucking Gains. Josh explains how rucking got its start in ancient armies, the kind of loads modern soldiers carry today, and why civilians should consider adopting this military-born fitness modality. After unpacking the benefits of rucking, we get into how to walk with proper form at the right pace and choose what terrains to traverse. We then discuss how to program your rucking workouts, how to make them progressively more challenging, and how to integrate them into your fitness routine without having to interfere with the strength gains you're developing in the gym. And we enter a conversation with exercise you can do with a rucksack besides carrying around on your back. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash rucking. Josh joins me now via clearcast.io. Josh Bryan, welcome back to the show. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Brett. All right, so we had you on the show last year to talk about your book, Jailhouse Strong, which is all about getting really strong using just body weight exercises. We also talked about your philosophy of being gas station ready, which is this kind of tactical fitness, functional fitness, being ready to handle anything, whether it's some guy accosting you at the gas station at three o'clock in the morning or whatever else life might throw at you. And lately, checking your Instagram feed, looks like rucking has become a valuable part of becoming gas station ready for you. That's something you've added to your fitness repertoire lately. How did you discover rucking as a fitness modality? Well, I mean, I first knew of rucking way back. Like when I was in high school, I worked at a gym and it was a pretty hardcore gym. There was like, you know, bouncers there, ex-military powerlifters. So there was a person there, kind of a kind of a scary guy that rucked a lot. You know, to a high school kid, he was scary. And so I saw back then was with the introduction, but more recently, to go, let's backtrack to 2018. I've put together a strength conditioning course for ISSA, the personal training certification. And the course is for becoming a tactical conditioning specialist. So working with, you know, military, you know, police, fire, things like that. So a large part of the research was on load is, you know, load carriage is what it's called. So in that process, you know, I'd already been programming this stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing all this research on it. I'm programming it for other people. I need to get out there and do it. And I'm just going to do it more as like to experience, you know, because I'm not a, I'm not like a, I'm not a law enforcement officer. I'm not military. So I want to know what you're experiencing more so. So went out there and started doing it. And I just, that was the original purpose. More like, you know, not, I'm into rucking more like this is business. I need to know kind of thing. And I need to, you know, be empathetic, that kind of thing. But then I really just fell in love with it after that. And we'll talk about why you fell in love because you, you highlight in this book all the benefits of it. Okay, but so I think we got a backtrack here. We haven't, for those who aren't familiar, rucking is basically you have a backpack and you put weight in it and you walk around with it. You go on a hike, essentially. It's like an intentional walk, you know? Yeah, it's almost like a, like a relatively fast, you know, walk type of thing. With The thing that I found interesting is how long it's been around for. This is not like a new thing. It's, I mean, there was like the Roman army thousands of years ago, they, they started off, you know, with 18.4 miles with 45 pounds. They had to do it in, in five hours. It was called like a, a military pace. And then from there, they progressed to what's called faster step or full, full pace. And they were doing 22 miles in five hours with 45 pounds. So, so it was, 
it was crazy like how long that's been around. They trained with like loaded marches and supposedly they say supposedly because we weren't there or anything, but in the Chinese soldiers could walk 160 kilometers straight with armor, you know, and their crossbows. So it's been around forever. And how do, what are, what does it look like today in militaries? Like what are the requirements that if you sign up to be an infantry officer in the army or whatever? Sure. So what's interesting about that is I'm getting a little more history here is that's one thing that hasn't evolved technologically. So for instance, like our smartphones we have are millions of times more powerful than the computer that sent NASA, you know, to the moon, the first man on the moon. So, and that was like the size of a house or something. So it's amazing what technology's done, but from like load carriage standpoint for the military, loads have continually gone up over time. So from ancient Greece, like the civil war days, the average was about 40 pounds, didn't really change. Then in World War II, it jumped up to 80 plus pounds. Then by Grenada, there was an article I read in the research about somebody who was having to like literally throw himself on the ground because he couldn't go over 10 yards with 120 pounds. In Afghanistan, infantry is averaging about 99 pounds in that conflict over there, but some people are carrying up to 140. So we go, you know, now we'll talk a little bit about the qualifications. So for instance, an, an expert infantry badge, which is an elite qualification, you want to get 12 miles in three hours or less carrying a rifle and a load. So it's going to be about 70 pounds. And in the British Army, rucking is actually considered like a core fitness skill. It's something they're tested on. So they have pretty tough standards, you know, already. Then if you're infantry, you have to go through more rigorous standards. In France, they do a deal where it's actually more like running. It's a five-mile loaded ruck. So it's only 26 pounds, but they're doing five miles in 40 minutes. And and that's an interesting thing. You look at the history. I've I've read that history, too, of like how much— a soldier is expected to carry now. Like they have to have all their food, their communications, different weapons. Before you would have like, you know, you'd, you'd be on the front line then you could always go back sure. to headquarters to get more if you needed. Now there's, there, there, isn't, there isn't that. Like you have to be able to be self-sufficient on your own out on the line. And so you're just expected, you have to carry more. You have to basically become an army within yourself. Absolutely. So let's talk about benefits of rucking just for the layman, all right? So what's interesting about rucking in the past few years, you've seen this become something that just civilians do as well. Why do you think it's a great form of exercise for people who aren't expected to you know, carry 120 pounds out in the deserts of Afghanistan? Well, I think for one, we have to say you don't need to be rucking with that much weight. They're probably, if you're not going to do something like you know, occupational specific I like to say about 20% of your body weight or less is probably you, you, you could work up with. So it probably is not going to be the best thing for you to, to work up to, you know, 120 pounds for two hours straight or something like that. So I think one of the, so the main benefits is um, it's lower impact. So like, if you look at running, you'd be up, you know, you, you'd be putting like major forces up to 11 times your body weight where rucking is going to be closer to like three or four. And from a, how many calories you burn, we can look at like a 200 pound man running a 12 minute mile pace for an hour is going to burn like around 755 calories. That same person, brisk walking is going to burn, you know, under 400 calories. But if that person adds a ruck, they, they're going to get up to 600 or more. So it's like you're getting like, you know, over, you know, 85% of the, those benefits, you know, like 10% of the risk type of deal. No, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that's if I, I call rucking like cardio for the man who hates cardio. If you hate running, 
car, like rucking is a great alternative. You need to get some sort of cardio in your, in your workout routine. Absolutely. And I think you also pointed out in one of your articles that man's a social creature. And I think that's, that's very true. It's something you can do with other people and you're not, you know, violating any sort of stay at home order or anything, as long as you're not right up on the person. So there's that social aspect. There's, you know, the whole outdoor thing, you know, the the old thing about nature's best antidepressants, vitamin D, get outdoors and enjoy yourself. And it's huge for, it's even for injury prevention. I mean, you're, you're building up all those muscles that help your posture. And it's like, you're almost like doing a dynamic plank as, as you're walking, assuming you're doing it with good posture. It's, it's huge for your aerobic base. And I think that's kind of discounted by a lot of, you know, more people that are more strength oriented. Your aerobic base is what's going to be able to help allow you to recover from, you know, more volume, recover between sets, recover between workouts. While it's not going to make your squat jump 50 pounds right away, it's going to allow you to put in the requisite work to increase your squat by 50 pounds. That's, and then there's also the simplicity factor. You, you don't need, you know, a $200 pair of shoes and this or that. I mean, if you, you could get started by, you know, getting a backpack you know, throwing a couple bricks in and going, then if you decide it's something you really like, then you could get, you know, a higher quality rucksack. The cost is, is, is awesome because there's such a low barrier to entry that way. It's not like, you know, if you take up, you know, other hobbies or something, it'd be like golf or something, it'd be really expensive to buy all the clubs, you know, and all that kind of thing. It's very functional, you know, even like a soccer mom carrying a baby or like a big game hunter. I was watching a thing last night about elk hunting in Oklahoma, actually. And they were showing somebody that had to carry, you know, part of an elk back and he's carrying it like a rucksack. So that person would be more prepared for this had he been rucking type of thing. And it's very scalable. You know, if, if some, you know, if you're going to work out with, even if you don't have weights, you know, if you're throwing like, you know, instead of a ruck weight and there, you just throw a few bricks in there. Okay. You're not as strong. You throw two bricks in there type of thing. Uh, I think it teaches balance and body awareness too. So there's a ton of benefits. Yeah, let's so let's recap the benefits. Okay, so it's great cardio. You're going to burn about the same amount as you would if you took like a light jog. Yep. Uh, it's less impact though. You're not going to screw up your knees. That's great, especially if you're an older guy. I know a lot. Of, I know, I've noticed a lot of um, like older men are drawn to rucking for that sure. reason because of the low impact improves your posture your strength because you're you're carrying under load you've got the so you can do it with friends and socially distance if you need to mm-hmm. so you get that social factor you get your outside nature which is great for mental health we've talked about on the podcast and then it's just it's easy like you don't it's super easy super simple doesn't low barrier to entry with that said there are some things you should probably think about if you want to get started with rucking. So you mentioned, okay, you don't need fancy shoes. You can do this with the gym shoes you have. Just in any backpack will do that will carry a load. Yeah, I mean, it, that's a fine place to start. But as you get advanced, you probably would want to get more of like a real rucksack. Gotcha. And then how do you figure out, so you just say, okay, I want, to, I want to start rucking. How do you figure out, you mentioned earlier, the weight you should start out with. So you're not army guy carrying 120 pounds. You said shoot for 20% of your body weight when you're first starting up? I think that's where you can where you can end up safely. And I'm just going off of, I mean, there's, there's not like hard studies that say that that's, you know, if you're squatting four times your body weight, you know, and you're perfect back health, you probably get away with a little bit more type of thing. But I think that's a pretty safe recommendation. So two things with that. So I put, 
I've always said 5% of your body weight to 10% of your body weight in the high end is a fine place to start. In the program, in the book, Rucking Gains, where you you start off with 6% of your body weight in week one, and that's for 20 minutes straight at a 20-minute mile pace. You're walking one mile in 20 minutes. By the end, you're rucking for an hour straight with 20% of your body weight up and down hills, and that's at, but but that's over 16 weeks. So it's not like you, I think that's where a lot of people might, if they want to fully benefit from rucking, can look at some sort of, you know, progressive overload of some sorts like everybody does with lifting. But a lot of times with this kind of thing, you know, they don't. So if, if you're just looking to improve your health a little bit, you, you don't need to get super advanced and fancy and progressively overload. But if you want to, you know, kick it up to the next level, it's definitely something you need to consider. And I, I really don't recommend exceeding the 15 minute mile pace. That's a brisk walk. And, you know, I, I would way rather see you at a hill in there or something than, you know, get to jogging because all we're talking about the lower impact, but all of a sudden you're, you're doing the, like that French Legion test where you're um, doing eight minute miles with 26 pounds on you, then it's, you've, you've created a worse problem. Yeah. I've ran with a rucksack before. It's not pleasant. <laughs> and that would be the time to do it. If, hey, I get it. You got some assessment coming up you know, your dream job, you know, your pay is going to increase, whatever. I'm on board with the specificity there. I'm just saying if this is for, for, you know, civilians for general health, I do not see the purpose. We're going to take a quick break for your words from our sponsors. And now back to the show. Anything to think about with your walking form? People really don't think about their walking form, but is there anything people think about when they're walking, when you're carrying a load that you do differently compared to when you're not carrying a load? Yeah, you definitely need to be mindful of how you're walking and, and you know, when you're walking with good posture and, and things like that. I mean, it's very important that you're not getting, you know, you, you keep your head high, spine aligned, stand tall. And if you start slouching over and things, that means you're, you're going too heavy. You can check yourself, you know, throughout the walk. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be shrugging your shoulders up. It's like an anti-shrug position and keep doing that self-check throughout the throughout the walk and you're avoiding you know spinal flexion you're also avoiding you know overextension that's not good either that's not good for your back so you want to stay upright you know achieve full extension of your hips while you're walking and use frequent strides um, you know driving your arms hard and one thing I found that helps and I, I hesitate to say it sometimes is because it gets it can sound sort of complicated is keeping your glutes engaged I noticed the first time I you know did it really well like good form my glutes were actually a little bit sore the next day. So it's like, I, I kind I keep them engaged and sort of like flex them, but it's not like a real conscious thing where I'm trying to like, you know, lift with them or anything. Gotcha. And then where to ruck? I mean, again, you can do this anywhere, but I imagine some terrains are better than others. Absolutely. So you're going to be more prepared for real life if, if you get out in nature because life's going to happen all around you. Not just, you know, obviously if you're just going for a time, I want to see, you know, how many 15 minute miles I can do or whatever, then the synthetic tracks, probably a good choice because it's going to be real measurable and real repeatable type of thing. But real life happens on all sorts of different terrains. So I'd recommend getting out in nature and, and having some fun. And it's interesting is there's in Texas is pretty flat, but where I live, there's actually a lot of Hills, even though it's like the Hill country here. And I take my kids a lot with me and we went out there the other day and they were just running up and down this real steep Hill. And, I was walking up and down right in the city and we got stalked by, by a, um, a coyote at four o'clock in the afternoon. 
so that was pretty crazy to, you know, getting out of nature to see that. And I, I didn't know what we were supposed to do except not act scared. And we didn't. It finally left. Oh, yeah. The, those coyotes are getting bold these days. They were super bold. This one's fat, too. It, it's like, um, then my wife checked the message board for South Lake where I live and or whatever that neighborhood is over there. And there are people talking about this bobcat that seems to be eating well. So I guess it's pretty well known. <laughs> All right. So uh, uneven terrains, that, that'll also help with the, like that balance aspect you talked about earlier, one of the benefits of rucking. Yeah. And learning to move under load like that is going to help you in the weight room too. So I think that's where like, you got to understand for these strength increases, rucking's not going to increase your squat or deadlift. Like you just do it and that happens. It's going to be more like you're as a beginner, you're learning to move under load. So like the strongman events, things like that. And then as you improve your conditioning, that's where it's real important with the regeneration because your work capacity is higher and you're going to recover faster between workouts, between sets, all that stuff. So that, that's how, that's how something, if you do strength training, ruck can be a nice supplement to that. It's like active recovery in a way. It is. And that's a good way to put it. So like, for instance, um, I, I've been rucking since 2018 at, at least once a week. So I, my favorite time to do it is right now I'm doing it once a week. I like to do it the day after I, I do, you know, heavy leg stuff and stuff that involves the lower back on Friday. So I like to do the, the rucking on Saturday as an active recovery. Well, let's talk about this. So yeah, with, for those who are, who are doing some sort of strength and conditioning program. Sure. One of the challenges I've seen in people who get into rucking is that their rucking starts to interfere with the recovery from their their strength training, right? Because they overdo it. Like, how do you, what's what's the best way to incorporate rucking so that you get that recovery benefit with, but without, you know, killing yourself and you won't be able to do, you know, complete a work set, your next workout? Sure. So there, there's a couple ways to look at this. Eventually, if you keep rucking and assuming you're following the guidelines we're putting out there of not, you know, exceeding 20% of your body weight, not going faster than 15 minute miles, you you can possibly get to the point where it doesn't matter. Like, for me now, I could, you know, ruck on Saturday and then squat on Sunday if I needed to. I've just it's my recovery's gotten to that point. It took a little while. So there's that aspect. As your work capacity increases, it won't be as much of a challenge because you're somewhat acclimated to this and you're not exceeding that 15 minute mile pace. Otherwise, I would say the best spot to do it would be I like it as the day after as an active recovery, because we're not recommending you, you know, I would say we I know you're gonna be able to get away with rucking once a week. And that's going to improve, you know, your physical health. You probably can get away with it twice a week, but I think once a week is a really safe bet to do. And it works really well as an active recovery the day after, you know, something involves your legs and lower back. Yeah, I train Monday, Tuesdays, Thursday, Fridays, and I ruck or sometimes I just walk, take a long walk on Wednesdays. Okay. That's That's what I do. And then maybe another walk or ruck on Saturday. And haven't had any problems with it. Okay. So with walking here, that's a, that's a good point because some people that are into strength training, we're taking for granted that you're in shape to do this. So I would recommend if you're not able to walk like, you know, an hour straight at a a reasonably brisk pace, you shouldn't be rucking probably. So you want to get to that point of, you know? Yeah. So that's a good, so, okay. uh, So if you can't walk an hour, don't, don't start off with load. Like you have to start, you gotta, you gotta crawl before you you walk here or walk without load before you add load. Imagine if you couldn't even do a bodyweight squat. And I said, yeah, you know, let's get out there and, and start, you know, with 225 or something. It'd be crazy. You know, so it's the same type of thing here. So 
Well, okay, let's talk about this. So we talked a little bit about this progression here. So, okay, if you've never, if you can't walk without load for an hour and not be incredibly winded, you should probably just start walking without load. How long does that last? Like a week, two weeks? Like how long before you can you start adding load, do you think? I think once you can comfortably walk an hour straight, you know, at a brisk pace, you can add load. So how long will it take you to get there? Well, I mean, I've, to be honest with you, I've seen powerlifters that, you know, almost like need oxygen walking up a flight of steps. So that person's going to take a while to get to that point where somebody else that, you know, has been in good shape cardiovascularly somewhat recently, just taking some time off, it could take a week or two. Okay. And then after that, you're going to start off with five to 6% of your body weight. So if you're what, a 200 pound man, what's that going to be like? 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Yeah. So not, not much. And then each week, are you adding weight? Sure. So there's a lot, there's a few different ways that see, that's what's, what's cool about the, the progressive overload. So just like, um, we've discussed before here on, on body weight training, strength training is we have to look at more than just the weight. So there's other ways to do it. You can increase the ruck. So I, I recommend not doing, you know, more than like five pounds between sessions. So you start off that 10, it's a joke. You go to 15, 20, so on. So eventually you work up to that 20% of your body weight. So if you weigh the hypothetical 200 pound man, we keep discussing is about 40 pounds is what you'd end up at. Right. Okay. Then you can also increase the distance. So, you know, I say like between rucking sessions, it, you can, if you're going off a distance, increase like a quarter mile or so. It doesn't have to be like you started off at a half mile, then, you know, next week you're at three miles. You can increase the total duration, you know, just add five minutes to what you're doing at the same pace. And another one people don't look at is um, the incline. If you're on a flat surface, when I was researching for my, my tactical conditioning course, it was amazing to see the metabolic expenditure that that changes when you just add a grade to what you're doing, to an incline to what you're doing. So that's another way to progressively overload. Then even the surface you're on, okay, I'm at the, the city track with a synthetic surface. You feel like you're gliding when you walk, you know. All of a sudden now I head over to like the park where there's a, a big sand pit and I'm rucking around that. It's going to be harder. Gotcha. So yeah, get creative with how you add the progressive overload. Don't just think weight, uh, think other things too. Well, to add a little bit to that also, one thing I found that works pretty well for people too is if this is just for like general health purposes, you don't want to hit a certain goal of like rucking X amount or whatever. But good guideline is um, you can also use as nasal breathing, you know, how fast can you go and, you know, how high, how steep can you go and continue to breathe out your nose and not breathe out your mouth assuming you're not talking to anybody or anything. That's a good one. Yeah, no, it's, that's harder to do. So what about, how does this change, like this pr- programming change for someone who's training for the military or law enforcement? Well, that's, that's where this can get, you know, a little bit tricky so or not tricky but that's where you know all the guidelines we've been talking about are kind of out the window because you're gonna have to look at the specificity of the test you, you know if you have to do eight minute miles with you know 25 pound rucksack it doesn't matter what we've said to this point if you want the job you want to pass you have to do that so you're gonna have to train it's specificities where it trains it's no longer like these guidelines to you know to ruck to be healthy it's what do you need to do to pass the test? So you got to think about things like not only the weight of it, but like the terrain of what you're going to be testing on. You're just in Texas, say, you know, you're in West Texas, there's hills and mountains out there. If you're in other parts, it's totally flat. So if it's an outdoor test, be ready for the terrain, the grade of the hill, even the climate control. If you're in Nebraska, maybe it's, you know, minus five in the winter 
and the test is going to be indoors. So you don't even have to worry about it. You're going to be a climate control type of thing. And then you really need to look at the other predictors because here, here's the deal. A lot, you know, we talk about like different, like say, you know, you know, say you're a, a police officer and you have to wear 25 pounds of gear a day, every day, no matter what, and you're on your feet constantly. It's not going to make sense. Oh, like, okay, I'm, you're working 12 hour shifts and you get off work and, you know, or you're Afghanistan, you're wearing a hundred pounds. You don't need to get off work and then ruck with 120 pounds. So you're ready for a hundred pounds the next day. Then you have to start looking at the other factors that are good predictors of rucking ability. Those are like muscle hypertrophy, having low body fat, how strong you are, you know, your ability to produce power, things like that. So the example I'll give here is like a manual labor type of job. A lot of people think, how do you train a manual laborer? Well, you just have them go light. And that's not the case because that manual laborer is kind of doing submaximal work at an extreme volume all day. So the way to train somebody like that is have this person go with a higher intensity because he's not getting any of that at work. And the same here. So if you have somebody that's in law enforcement or under load all the time, you, you're going to have to get some higher intensity, you know, more traditional strength training because already quote unquote rucking throughout the day. That makes sense. Well, here's a question. So a lot of people, like in some parts of the country, gyms are still closed. Sure. Gym equipment is hard to come by. You can't find it anywhere uh, for your home gym. Okay. Uh, a ruck sack is a weighted object. I'm curious, based on your work, you, you, you think about this stuff all the time, how to get creative with minimal resources. Right. What are some like like strength training exercises you could do besides rucking with a weighted rucksack? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at this. First, if you have access to Google, just Google what you can do with a sandbag. Pretty much anything you do with that, you could do with a rucksack. You can do um, you can do push-ups, you can do pull-ups, you can do lunges. You could even take it off and do a bent over row. I mean, you could do inverted bicep curls if you had a bar, or you could just take it off and grab by the straps and do hammer curls. You could do tricep extensions, holding it, you know, by the straps overhead, or putting it on your body against a bar you know, overhead press it, Romanian deadlifted. I mean, there's so many different endless possibilities you could do. I mean, we could literally have a, a conversation about this only and run out of time. It, it's endless. So yeah, just ba- basically any like body weight movement you could do, you could do with a ruck. Absolutely. And a lot of the barbell movements too. Right. Yeah. I know when I, there was a period I was, I was getting ready when I was training for like go ruck events. I, uh, for some reason I thought I needed to do bear crawls a lot. So I did a lot of, I would do like hundred yard bear crawls <laughs> with the, that's hard with the ruck. <laughs> with <a> ruck. <laughs> yeah. That was insane. But then like, I, then I would do push ups. I would do duck walks with the rucksack. Yeah. And yeah, those, those, I hated ruck day. That was not fun, but it paid off because like what we, you know, a go ruck challenge is hard, but like I trained myself harder than I needed to do. Like the stuff they had us do was, it was brutal, but I had already experienced it. That's awesome. Okay. So yeah, there, there's a lot of things you, so don't just think, okay, you, you just have to ruck with it. There's other stuff. If you don't have weightlifting equipment, you can actually use this to create and it'd be like the same. So like what, like, like programming wise, let's say if you wanted to do like a, a push up, a, a squat, like some sort of invert, like a row with your rucksack, like what would the like reps and sets look like? Would it be, you're looking at three sets of 10, three sets. I mean, how would you program that? I think you'd want to keep it to like what, tr- what where you traditionally be and what your goals are. However, you'd have to keep in, in intact what your strength level is. So 
again, the, if you're going within that, you know, 20% body weight threshold and you're really strong, you know, three sets of six on bent over rows with a 40 pound rucksack weighing 200 probably is not going to do a whole lot. So then you're gonna have to go to like a higher reps or at least minimally add some sort of tempo to it. Okay. You know, I'm doing the three sets of six, but I'm holding the, um, rucksack in the contracted position for two seconds, then following it up with like a five second negative and things like that. So I think assuming it's like compatible to your strength level, or you'd want to keep, you'd want to keep the traditional rep ranges you're already working with. But if you're really strong, you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to find another way you're gonna have to add tempo or go with a real high repetition deal. Gotcha. Oh, another thing, another thing I love doing with the rucksack is like other ways to carry like a suitcase carry. So you just put it in you know, one hand, carry it just one hand and switch to the other hand. You can uh, carry it overhead. So you extend your arms above your head and have the weight and then walk around. That can, that's another great way to incorporate some strength training with the rucksack. Yeah. I think honestly, the, the it's, it's endless. Cause I mean, we talk about like lunges, you could hold the rucksack overhead even. And if the right, so you need creative, like the, I'm too strong to lunge with 40 pounds. Okay. Hold it over your head and see what happens type of thing. Right. Or you can even be like a kettlebell. I've done that too. Sort of like some cleans, like snatches. So you just go yeah. up and then press it. So a lot you can do and get creative. So, I mean, you said that you started rucking in 2018 and you just fell in love with it. I mean, how has it, how has it changed or affected your training outside of, you know, your other stuff that you do, like just your basic barbell training? If anything has helped it, it, it certainly hasn't, hasn't hurt it. So I'm not trying to push it my, cause of my background, I'm not trying to push like, you know, for new maxes and things like that. Like when I'm going to test myself, I do more like speed tests or conditioning tests or things like that. But there's been absolutely no drop in strength whatsoever. Fantastic. Well, Josh, uh, where can people go to learn more about rucking gains? The book's available on amazon.com. It's available now in paperback too, because before that, it, just until recently, it was only in Kindle. So it's available in Kindle and paperback or come to my website, joshstrength.com. Fantastic. Well, Josh Bryant, thanks for much time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. My guest today was Josh Bryant. He is the author of the book, Rucking Gains. It's available on amazon.com. You can also find out more information about his work at his website, joshstrength.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash rucking, where you can find links to resources, where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles written over the years. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever podcast player you use. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, this is Brett McKay. Remind you not only to list the AWIM podcast, but put what you've heard into action. <laughs>